European Heart Journal issued a glance. Volume 43, Issue 15. Focus Issue, Arrhythmias. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Fighting Against Sudden Cardiac Death. The New Frontiers. This focus issue on arrhythmias contains the state-of-the-art review article Fighting Against Sudden Cardiac Death, Need for a Paradigm Shift, Adding Near-Term Prevention and Preemptive Action to Long-Term Prevention, by Elon Marijon and colleagues from the Université de Paris in France. The authors note that more than 40 years after the first implantable cardioverter defibrillator, or ICD, implantation, Sudden cardiac death, or SCD, still accounts for more than 5 million deaths worldwide every year. Huge efforts in the field notwithstanding, it's now increasingly evident that the current strategy of long-term prevention based on left ventricular ejection fraction as the key selection criteria is of very limited impact. Also because the largest absolute numbers of SCDs are encountered in the general population not known to be at risk. It has been recently re-emphasized that SCD is often not so sudden, with almost half of the victims experiencing typical warning symptoms preceding the event. Importantly, if these signs are recognized and prompt medical action is available, survival can be dramatically improved. Essentially, such timely action increases the chances of the SCD event being witnessed by emergency medical services and provides the opportunity for early intervention. In addition, newer technologies incorporating digital data acquisition, transfer between interconnected devices, and artificial intelligence should allow dynamic, real-time monitoring of diverse parameters and therefore better identification of subjects at short-term SCD risk. Along with warning symptoms, these developments allow a new approach of near-term prevention based on the hours and minutes preceding SCD. In the present review, the authors challenge the current paradigm of mid- and long-term prevention using ICD in patients at the highest risk of SCD and introduce a complementary concept applicable to the entire population that would aim to preempt SCD by timely detection and intervention within the minutes or hours prior to the event. Automated external defibrillators, or AEDs, have been introduced for early defibrillation in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, or OHCA, and proved effective in the public domain. In a fast-track clinical research article entitled Alert System Supported Lay Defibrillation and Basic Life Support for Cardiac Arrest at Home, Remy Stieglis and colleagues from the Amsterdam University Medical Center in the Netherlands Note that most OHCAs occur at home. In residential areas, 785 AEDs were placed and 5,735 volunteer responders were recruited. For suspected OHCA, dispatchers activated nearby volunteer responders with text messages, directed two-thirds to an AED first and one-third directly to the patient. The authors analysed survival, primary outcome, neurologically favourable survival to discharge, time to first defibrillation shock, and cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, before emergency medical service, 
or EMS arrival to patients found with ventricular fibrillation, or VF, in residences before and after introduction of this text message alert system. Survival from OHCAs significantly increased from 26% to 39%. Adjusted relative risk, or RR, 1.5. RR for neurologically favourable survival was 1.4. Time from emergency call to defibrillation significantly decreased from a median of 11.7 to 9.3 minutes. No CPR before ambulance arrival decreased from 22% to 9%. Defibrillation by first responders in residences significantly increased from 22% to 40%. The authors conclude that introducing volunteer responders directed to AEDs dispatched by text message was associated with significantly reduced time to first defibrillation and increased overall survival for OHCA patients found with VF at home. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Carolina Malta Hansen and Frederick Volker from the Copenhagen University in Denmark. The authors conclude that taken together, Stieglitz and colleagues are the first to show a survival benefit associated with activating volunteer responders to OHCAs at home. This study serves as an excellent example and inspiration but other communities striving to improve bystander interventions, particularly AED use for OHCAs at home. Drones used to deliver AEDs may shorten time to defibrillation, but this has never been evaluated in real-life emergencies. In a clinical research article entitled Automated External Defibrillators Delivered by Drones to Patients with Suspected Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest, Sofia Schierbeck and colleagues from the Karolinska Institutet in Stockholm, Sweden, note that the aim of their study was to investigate the feasibility of AED delivery by drones in real-life cases of OHCA. In this prospective clinical trial, three AED-equipped drones were placed within the controlled airspace in Sweden. Drones were integrated in the EMS for automated deployment in beyond visual line-of-sight flights. The primary outcome was the proportion of successful AED deliveries when drones were dispatched in cases of suspected OHCA. In total, 14 cases were eligible for dispatch during the study period in which AED drones took off in 12 alerts to suspected OHCA, with a median distance to location of 3.1 kilometers. AED delivery was feasible within 9 minutes from the location and successful in 11 alerts, or 92%. AED drones arrived prior to ambulances in 64% of cases, with a median time benefit of 1 minute and 52 seconds when the drone arrived first. In an additional 61 test flights, the AED delivery success rate was 90%. Shearbeck and colleagues conclude that in their pilot study, they've shown that AEDs can be carried by drones to real-life cases of OHCA with a successful AED delivery rate of 92%. There was a time benefit when compared with EMS in cases where the drone arrived first. However, further improvements are needed to increase dispatch rate and time benefits. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Nicole Karam and colleagues from the Université de Paris in France. Karam et al. 
conclude that increasing OHCA survival rates has been a challenge for decades. And, despite the spectacular rates obtained in optimal settings, where trained bystanders and AEDs are available at the time of OHCA occurrence, we need to acknowledge that real-life statistics remain disappointing in most cities. Advances in technologies, such as the introduction of AED-equipped drones to the field of resuscitation, might offer the opportunity to overcome several barriers to optimal resuscitation, despite only addressing one link in the chain of survival. The overall management of OHCA, which should now further include the timely detection of subjects with warning symptoms at high risk of developing VF, will definitely change over the next decades. The future of OHCA will depend on the extent to which scientists, politicians and the community are willing to invest in the field. Cardiovascular disease is a common complication in acromegaly. In a clinical research article entitled Acromegaly and Cardiovascular Outcomes, a Cohort Study, Sang Mo Hong and colleagues from the Hanyang University in the Republic of Korea investigated the risk of cardiovascular disease and mortality in patients with acromegaly in a large-scale population using nationwide data in Korea. The authors performed a nationwide retrospective observational cohort study of patients with acromegaly, N equaling 1,874, and age and sex match subjects without acromegaly, N equaling 9,370, for a mean follow-up of 7.5 years, plus or minus 3.2 years. The study outcomes were myocardial infarction, stroke, atrial fibrillation, congestive heart failure, and all-cause death. All outcomes were analysed by Cox Proportional Hazards Regression Analysis, while controlling for age, sex, household income, place, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and dyslipidemia. After adjustment for covariates, the risk for atrial fibrillation, hazard ratio or HR 1.59, congestive heart failure, hazard ratio 1.54, and all-cause mortality, hazard ratio 1.31, was significantly higher in patients with acromegaly. Ong and colleagues conclude that patients with acromegaly were at higher risk for atrial fibrillation, congestive heart failure, and all-cause death. Several inherited arrhythmogenic disorders can cause sudden death. Numerous genes have been reported to cause these conditions, but evidence supporting these gene-disease relationships vary considerably. In a translational research article entitled Evaluation of Gene Validity for CPVT and Short QT Syndrome in Sudden Arrhythmic Death by Roddy Walsh and colleagues from the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. To ensure appropriate utilisation of genetic information for polymorphic ventricular tachycardia, or CPVT, and short QT syndrome, or SQTS, they applied an evidence-based reappraisal of previously reported genes. Three teams independently curated all published evidence of 11 genes implicated in CPVT and nine genes implicated in SQTS using the ClinGen gene curation framework. The results were reviewed by a channelopathy expert panel who provided the final classifications. 
Seven genes had definitive to moderate evidence for disease causation in CPVT, with either autosomal dominant, RYR2, CARM1, CARM2 and CARM3, or autosomal recessive, TASQ2, TRDN and TECRL, inheritance. Three of the four disputed genes for CPVT, KCNJ2, PKP2 and SCN5A, were deemed by the expert panel to be reported for phenotypes that were not representative of CPVT. While reported variants in a fourth gene, ANK2, were too common in the population to be disease-causing. For SQTS, only one gene, KCNH2, was classified as definitive, with three others, KCNQ1, KCNJ2 and SLC4A3, having strong to moderate evidence. Most of the genetic evidence for SQTS genes was derived from very few variants, 5 in KCNJ2, 2 in KCNH2 and 1 in KCNQ1-SLC4A3. The authors conclude that 7 CPVT and 4 SQTS genes have valid evidence for disease causation and should be included in genetic testing panels. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Minoru Hori and colleagues from the Shiga University of Medical Science in Japan. The authors conclude that even in relatively rare cardiac channelopathies, such as CPVT and SQTS, it's important to continue gene curation activities based on new evidence and to curate each variant in every gene in the next step. These approaches will lead to the world of true precision medicine. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.